how we're doing today. Can y'all hear me okay? We're trying. I'm a guinea pig. We have a new microphone today. I was just told when I was getting ready to come up after they wired me up. And I said, we haven't balanced this or tried this out. So I was, I didn't know if I was going to be able to modulate this thing or not. You know, my dad, when back in the early 60s, mid-60s and uh, 70s, we had CB radio at our house. And they would always say, modulate that mic. We can't hardly hear you. So can y'all hear me okay? Okay. Well, I'm Mike Johnson, and I'm a deacon here at this church. And I was asked to bring the message today. And I uh, thank you for uh, that privilege. I see it uh, as a great honor. And I also see a great responsibility to handle rightly the Word of God. I pray that you would pray for me as I've been thinking about this for the past week. And hopefully this uh, message today and tonight, this is a two-parter. You think you got a regular one sermon, three bullets, and you're out. You're wrong. You need to come back tonight. Now, just to let you know, I did have a handout. And it was out there next to the bulletins when you came in. It's a two-pager. Now, the front page, what I'm calling the front page, has the title, How to Recognize Idols. I hope you see that. That's what I'm calling the front page. But actually, we're going to talk about what's on the back page first. So that's what I'm calling the second page. All right? Tonight's sermon will be dealing with the front page. So we're going to use reverse Polish notation. Now that's actually a true concept if you had an HP calculator. Anyone remember HP calculators? I hear, I see some nods, waves of hands, okay. That's what it was called, reverse Polish notation. Okay. We'll explain that to you later. It's not part of the sermon. Okay? So I just want to make sure you know about uh, the hand resource you have. Also, I want to let you know, of course, I'm using the Word of God. But I have some supplementary books I like to bring to your attention that I used as resources in preparing the text for today and tonight. First of all, I hope you know that we have home discipleship groups on Wednesday night. And on the third Wednesday night, due to our church constitution, we have our church business meeting here at the church. But during the uh, winter and uh, spring time frame, we have what we call home discipleship group meetings. And we meet at people's homes. And we have also a group that meets here. And the book that we're looking at is called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. And it's by Paul David Tripp. Okay, I want to make reference there to that book. The second book I'm using, and I'm actually using this book pretty heavily, is a book by Tim or Timothy Keller called Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promise of Money, Sex, and Power, and the only hope that matters. So if you look back at page number two of the handout, you'll see where uh, I, well, I found this on the Internet, 
this person who put this sheet together referenced this book. Okay? Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. So as we start, I'd like to open us up with a word of prayer, catch my breath, and we'll get started. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made. Father, help me to decrease as you increase. As we go through the scriptures today, Father, Lord, I want to lift you up and glorify your name. And Father, I just pray that you would use me as you see fit. Lord, I pray that you would have, Lord, the angel come down with coals from your temple on high and touch my tongue and my lips. Purify me now, O Father. God, and direct me as we look into your scripture. And Lord, you take control of this service. And may you be glorified and honored in all things. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior's name I pray. Amen. Now, February is known as Heart Month. And so, I wanted to give you some fun facts about the heart, just to sort of set the stage that we're going to be talking about, you know, idolatrous heart. But let's talk about the heart in the physical form, as we talk also about in the spiritual form. All right, the first heart health fact is that with every beat of your heart, blood is sent flowing through 60,000 miles of blood vessels, delivering important nutrition and oxygen to all your organs and tissues. If you stretch out the blood vessels in your body end to end, they'd circle the earth almost two and a half times. Fun fact number two. The adult heart pumps more than a gallon of blood per minute. That's enough to fill 38,000 drinking glasses each day. Sadly, fact number three, uh, four, sadly, 133,000 Americans die of heart attacks each year. Here's my spiritual heart facts. An unrepentant sinner who dies with a heart of stone will spend an eternity in hell separated from God forever. Spiritual fact number two, a repentant, redeemed sinner who dies with a heart of flesh will spend eternity in heaven with God forever. So, I want to give you some fun facts in the physical form, but I also want to tell you why it's important that we have the Scriptures and we proclaim the Scriptures each Sunday from this pulpit. Because every one of us who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior is an unredeemed sinner. And if you don't change your trajectory through the interaction an intervention of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's only one place you're going, and that's hell. And Jesus has a whole lot to say about that. But now, one of the things I want to do to start off is talking about this idolatrous heart, or idolatry. 
That's a term we don't use in the Western culture very often, except probably when you're reading Scripture. And it can be confusing. Well, I've got two definitions. I have a simple definition and a more robust definition. I'd like to share the simple one first. It's by Mark Driscoll. Idolatry is taking a good thing and making it a God thing, and then it becomes a bad thing. Do you understand the progression there? We're going to be talking a lot about things that are good, but here's the the crux of the whole sermon. We in our heart are made to worship something. We're to worship God, but unfortunately, we drift and stray like lost sheep, and we try to find something else, and we start allowing our heart to be controlled by that thing. And it's no longer God that we're focused on, but we're focused on other things. All right? And so it becomes now our God thing, and that's a small g. And that is a bad thing. But now let's see what Timothy Keller has to say about it. Why do we lie or fail to love or break our promises or live selfishly? Of course, the general answer is because we are weak and sinful. But the specific answer is that there is something besides Jesus Christ that we feel we must have to be happy. Sometimes that is more important to our heart than God. Something that is enslaving our heart through inordinate desires. The key to change and even to self-understanding is therefore to identify the idols of the heart. I'll give you a simple illustration. Think about going back to the Garden of Eden. Eve saw that fruit on that tree and she said, that looks yummy. Now I'm paraphrasing. I think I like that. And I think I'm going to get pluck that fruit off that tree and I'm going to eat it because I want it. And of course we see Satan come on board and starts putting doubt in God's word in her mind. And what does she do? She does just like this. She has an idol now in her heart that I want that, I desire that, I'm worthy of that, I've doubted God's word, I doubt his sincerity, and I'm going to do it. And so that is what we're going to be looking at today. This whole sermon in tonight's sermon is basically to start getting you to think and identify Idols that are in your heart. If you can take a mirror and put it to your face and you can fog a mirror, you have idols in your heart. This is not, there's exemptions. No, everybody who has a pulse has idols within their heart. And a lot of times we can't see them because sin also has an item of 
causing us to be blind to our own sin. And Matthew talks about you got to take the the log out of your uh, own eye uh, before you can see it in your your brother's eye, or take the splinter out of your eye, because it's got a blinding effect on you. I'm trying to keep straight here with my notes. So basically, I've come up with steps for confronting your idol. I want to go ahead and put this out. Because we're going to be talking about this today and tonight. First of all, you need to identify your idols. That's what we're going to be doing today. Secondly, you need to pray and confess your heart's dependence upon your idol or idols to God and your prayer partner or encourager or Christian counselor. Sometimes you may need assistance. And we have Christian counselors in Huntsville, Madison County that you can go to for help in this matter, in these matters, if you need it. You knew step three is to repent and turn away from your idol or idols in your life. Step four is to rejoice and take joy in the absolute certainty of Jesus' mastery in your life. Step uh, five is replace your self-centered idols with a renewed passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ and his local body of believers here at Haven Baptist Church. We can support each other. Now, the primary scripture reference today we're going to be reading is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And out of respect of God's word today, if you're able, could you please stand as we read the scriptures And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You may be seated. Thank you. Like I said, People in the Western culture don't think about idols very often. Y'all remember the pastor, former pastor, Brother Steve, talking about someone who came up and shared with him about idols and about the elephant idol in India? That was me. When I was studying in my Sunday school class about a year and a half ago, I was doing some searching on the Internet about cultures that have idols. And they had a little video clip on YouTube. And they were showing that multi-handed God, I don't I forgot their names now, uh, but they were throwing laurels and, and flowers, and there were these men carrying these on their shoulders with poles. And they were going through the city and they were throwing laurels and things 
on this multi-handed Hindu god. And I thought, ooh, that's weird. But then I kept on watching the video, and it cut to a different one, and it had an elephant on one of those briars that they were carrying with their shoulders down, and they were doing the same thing. And I thought, who in the world would worship an elephant? And then I had this cringe because I'm a supporter of uh, the Crimson Tide. And I had this sharp pain, and it's like, oh my God, am I an idolater? And it scared me. And I went and talked to the pastor about it one Sunday, uh, uh, casually. But then, he and I took this uh, class course together on Christian counseling. It's called E4GW, Equipping for Good Works. It's a name you can look it up on the internet. And we took this course together about a year long. Uh, and we got into it and we looked heavily at idolatrous things. And this thing came up again in my heart. And I don't know if y'all remember, it was about this time last year when he came up front at the end of the service and asked for people to come down. And I was one of the first persons out of the pew because I realized this is not like the, you know, people think, well, I don't worship graven images. I don't worship things made out of stone or gold or silver or ivory. But you can make anything an idol. Anything that you as enjoyable or you like in your sphere of influence, but it becomes an ultimate thing that takes a piece of your heart or your heart away from God is now, by definition, an idol. And what we read in Genesis, or not Genesis, Exodus here, it says God is a jealous God. In the Scriptures, God uses marriage as a metaphor about how He relates to one each of us. And we as Christians have become married to Him. We are the bride of Christ. And when you go flaunting after other things, you become a spiritual floozy and you're seeking affections from something besides God. Now, if we look at the scriptures here in uh, Exodus chapter 20, there is both a narrow interpretation and a broad interpretation here. Now, I want to give you the narrow interpretation first. And this is going back to this idea of uh, idols, stone idols, wooden idols, metal idols. But basically, the narrow uh, can be defined as this, pagan deities. You can see these scattered throughout the Old Testament, like Baal or Baal and Ashtoreth in the Old Testament. I call those my Ken and Barbie of the Old Testament gods because you usually find them together. You usually find Baal but you usually find Ashtoreth. 
And Asherah was a female goddess of fertility, and she was made out of a long pole wood, and they'd put her up on a high a ridge. They'd always go up high to these places to worship. And in some cases, they would sacrifice children. False religions, non-Christian religions such as Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. And I've already made reference to Hinduism in the stuff that I saw in that video, YouTube video. Cults, non-Trinitarian beliefs such as Jehovah Witness, Christian Scientists, and Mormonism. Occultism, searching for a spiritual reality without Jesus Christ in the scriptures. That could be divination, witchcraft, mediums, palms, and tarots, card readers. You can see all this stuff on TV today. they got series now on TV about people who are mediums and read palms and all this other stuff. People still believe this stuff. And also secret societies, groups that have religious dimensions where eternal life is a, a part, they can find it apart from faith in God through Christ. Okay, now, we also have the broad view, and that's where I'm focusing on today. The broad revelation, uh, interpretation of the first commandment of worshiping anything along with the true God or an idol of the heart. And that's where I'm couching this sermon today and tonight on. Now we can use some other scriptures to show this. The, the first scripture that we read in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 is considered by some to be a summary of the whole law. But we can look in the scriptures at other places where we can see summaries too and sort of get a better understanding of this one in Exodus chapter 20. And I have three of them. Joshua chapter 22 verse 5. I'm not sure if y'all have that. You do? Okay, very good. Only be very careful to observe the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord commands you, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. We also can find a summary statement found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. The other one is in Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now, I'm trying to primarily stay in the Old Testament, but I do need to go to the New Testament for this next uh, supporting scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verses 33 through 38. The summary of the law is given there too. See, it brings it forward. So people go, you're talking about the Old Testament. We don't, it doesn't apply to us. Well, yes, it does because Jesus brought it forward. He brought this forward in the, in the New Testament. In this, we see a question coming to Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is Jesus talking now. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. So we've gone from 
Exodus chapter 20. Now we come up here and we see Jesus talking about it in Matthew. Okay? So this still applies. And so we need to be careful with what our heart is doing. We as Christians need to control our hearts. What we look at, what we think about, what we view on TV, stuff now on these, on these TV channels, when it comes up with stuff like that, I tell Delaney, I said, turn that off. Let's turn something else. You know, that stuff is trash, and it's trying to pollute your mind. Have you ever heard of the idea about boiling a frog? You start turning up one degree at a time, and the frog is in the water. And it doesn't see or feel that one degree change. And it gets accustomed to it. It gets desensitized to it. And so what happens is you keep turning that frog's, uh, the temperature of the water up a degree at a time, and he starts to get used to it. Before long, he's cooked. He's dead. And that's what happens to Christians uh, who get off and start... They don't control what they're looking at, or what they think. And also, non-Christians, that's how they get further and further wound up in this stuff and have this hardened heart, unrepentant heart. And when they die, they go to hell. All right? And so we see here the idolater's heart coming into play. The heart of idolatry is truly central to most of the issues faced in counseling today. Just like other sins with which we struggle, idolatry is rooted in the immaterial part of man we refer to as the heart. The heart contains your thoughts, beliefs, desires, mind, will, and emotions. This is why the heart can be referred to as the control center of your being. Whatever controls your heart controls you. So this whole sermon is about dealing with identifying what those problem areas are in your heart. And we're going to get to that uh, real quick. Heart probing questions. Here's how you can start examining your heart. What have I been willing to commit sin for in order to get it? Whatever that it is. What have I been willing to sin over if I don't get it? And what must I have to be happy? Quickly, we're going to go through the attributes of the four core deep. It's what Christian counselors call the four core idols deep embedded in your heart. Write these down. Number one, power. Number two, control. Three, approval. You want to be a man pleaser. And four, comfort. Like I said, if you can fog a mirror and you've got a beating heart, you've got one, two, or more of these idols now within you. Quickly, we're going to look at power idols. You can think of this as this, uh, such as this. Life is worth living, and I have worth and value only when I have influence, recognition, and fame. You may have the power idol. Now, i got sort of a bulleted list here. I'm just going to run through these quickly. You want success, 
winning and influence. You gain your identity in competition. The fiercer the challenge, the better. Your greatest fear is humiliation. If somebody humiliates you and it produces automatic anger, your problem emotion is anger. You tend to be violent. You feel easily disrespected. When proper recognition is not given to you or your accomplishments, it produces anger and jealousy. You struggle giving credit to others. People around you often feel used. All right, now, notice what I said. The key emotion, most people who have this power idol, is anger. Sometimes people can get violent. And I want to make sure the ladies here understand me and hear me. If you're in a relationship and your spouse has this idol in their heart and you feel your life is threatened or you have children and you feel like you and your children are threatened with death, you need to leave and find shelter. And a women's shelter, we have it at the Downtown Rescue Mission. Uh, you can have family you can stay with. But I want to make sure you understand, if that is an idol in a person's heart that you're living with, they could be violent. And if you feel like you are, and that's something you have to judge yourself. If you feel that, you know, if you've been beaten before, and you feel your life is in danger, your children's lives in danger, you need to get out. I want to make sure you understand that from me. And you need to seek help. Get with your deacons or the deacon wives and get you know, talk to them and find help and support in the community, like I said, in these uh, women's abuse shelters. What does you, it look like when you have the, the Holy Spirit dealing upon you with this power idol? You're not driven anymore by recognition and being important in the eyes of men, but you are truly content in knowing you're important to God, and if you never get position or power, that would be okay. A scripture here to support this is in Matthew 23, verses 11 through 12. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts him will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Quickly, control idol. A definition of this could be as such. I'm only content, happy, and at peace if I'm able to get mastery in my life over a certain area or if things are occurring according to my plan and desires. What are some of the indicators of this? You want self-discipline, certainty, and standards. Your greatest nightmare is uncertainty. When things don't go as you planned, it produces fear, worry, or anger in your heart. You have a set schedule in your mind, and if somebody deviates from your schedule, and it frustrates or stresses you out. People around you often feel condemned. Your mantra is, if I want it to get done right, I have to do it myself. Your problem emotion is worry. All right? Now, I've got a lot more, but because of time, I'm going to go down here and say, uh, what happens if you have the Lord working on your heart? You're resting on his sovereignty for your present and future. 
Your schedule is no longer your God, but God is in control of your schedule. A scripture verse to help here is Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's look quickly at the comfort idol. A good definition of this could be, I'm not content, at peace, or happy unless I experience a certain quality of life or a particular pleasure. Some of the characteristics of a person who has a comfort idol, you want privacy, lack of stress, and freedom. You're driven and motivated by securing a life that is easier, not harder. Your greatest nightmare is stress and demands. Avoiding stress and difficulty becomes a primary motivating factor in your life. Your relationships can't get deeper than an inch because relationships require work. People around you often feel neglected. And your problem emotion is boredom. In order to comfort yourself in times of stress or trials, you have the tendency to turn to first things like food, pornography, sexual pleasure, entertainment, or time alone, instead of first turning to God. You try to escape from the stress of trials into something of this world. You don't first think to go to God, like Jesus did, who would always uh, always uh, go get away from people and spend time with his Father to get his soul filled. What happens when a person has the Holy Spirit acting upon them, their heart? and walking with Jesus and repenting. You start believing that if you have to work your fingers to the bone, or if you're poor for the rest of your life, because that's what God wants for you, it's okay. Jesus is better. If you never get what you want in life, you know Jesus is better. You start looking at money primarily as a resource to fund the kingdom of God and not resource for fund your lifestyle. You realize the Lord owes it owns every dime you ever get, and He's just and He's just given it to you as a steward for His purposes to advance the glory of His name. You feel chaos and stress of life closing in, and you don't turn first to sex, TV, or food, but rather to Jesus. A scripture here is this: You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore in Psalm 16:11. The last one is the approval idol. Here's a definition for that. I'm not content or at peace unless I am loved or accepted by a particular person or a group of people. Here's some indicators that you may have this approval idol. You seek affirmation and love in relationships. You don't want to be independent. You need somebody in your life. Your greatest nightmare is rejection. People around you often feel smothered. Some people call this codependence. Ten people complain you uh, compliment you on your work or, or something you've said or wrote. But then one person says something negative, and it ruins your day. All you can think about is that one negative comment. 
you lie in bed at night and realize that you have no spine, that you're a coward, that you will never speak your mind and will never really have an opinion what matters to you because having an opinion might be too costly. It may drive away people you want to be close to. The problem motion for you is cowardice. Someone that follows you on Facebook and it messes you up. You text somebody and they don't text you back. And it produces insecurity to you. You begin to think, they don't like me. Sometimes you feel, you know, you're unloved because you're single. You don't stand up for holiness in the physical relationships you're in because you're afraid of disappointing the other person. How do you know? You know, you know, what does it look like when God is, and through the Holy Spirit's working in your heart to redeem you? You will find out somebody doesn't like you or says something negative about you and it doesn't move your heart or ruin your day because you believe the gospel. It's okay because you know God is nuts about you. The Lord has loved you before the foundation of the world. It shouldn't matter that much if someone doesn't like you. So that is just some areas there uh, dealing with the approval. Now I want to get to the application. I've quickly, and this is a broad brush, 100,000 foot altitude overview. I'm just trying to point these things out to you today that you can do your own self-inventory. Because I don't know what's in your heart. I can't, I don't have supervision to look with Superman's x-ray vision and look into your heart and see what's going on there. That's something only you can do for yourself. Power, control, comfort, approval. Have any of those four taken the place of God in your life? Are you pursuing them? Bowing down to them? And serving them? Wanting them more than you want the Lord? It's one thing to identify an idol in your heart. The day you identify the idol is a good day. Because you finally understand why you do what you do. Yes, it's altogether different to stop worshiping that idol. But the Lord has been clear. God tells us not to have any other gods before him. What do we read in Exodus? He says, I am a jealous God. Remember that marriage analogy? He didn't want you to have a mistress. That's not going to float with God. He is a jealous God. And he wants you to repent of that, turn away from that. Remember the steps I talked about earlier on? That's where we're at right now in this service. So I want to read one more scripture. And we have a time of decision coming. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27 says this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your unrighteousness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you uh, a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes to be careful to obey all my rules. That's where we're at right now. I want to ask you this. We're at the most important time in the service. I have shared with you the scriptures. I've shared with you what uh, Christian counselors have identified uh, as these four deep-seated idols that are in, uh, could be in your heart. I've tried to give you some attributes that you could use to gauge and check your heart by. That's something only you can do. Jesus came down from heaven. He came in as a little baby boy who was raised up in a God-fearing home and became a young adult. He went out preaching and teaching and people didn't like what they heard. They arrested him, beat him, had a kangaroo court, condemned him to die, and he was put on a cross and he died for you and I because our sins were pushed back to him. And he died for us that day, but he didn't stay there because three days later, Jesus arose. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father. He came initially as a suffering servant, but he's coming back at the appointed time of God as the conquering king. So, I want to ask you today, did you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you like it did me when I was watching that YouTube video and seeing all those uh, different things being paraded down and them throwing garlands on all those different idols? Then I saw that elephant idol and it pierced my heart. Are you going through your own YouTube videos in your mind of things that you've done or things you participated in that you know that are idols? Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin in your life today. I pray that you would confess it. Do we have someone here today that has a heart of stone that has never heard the gospel presented before? But you feel the work of the Holy Spirit on you right now, this very moment, convicting you of your many sins. When Rhett comes up here and starts singing our song in a minute, this is a chance for you to come down and make a public profession of your faith. Once you become a believer in Jesus Christ today and have fellowship here at Haven Baptist Church with us, you can be today a child of the King. For people who have been visiting with us for a while, who hasn't yet joined our fellowship, we believe in the infallible and errant Word of God. We also believe in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God. What we would love today, if you and your family would join us as members here at Haven Baptist Church, at our fellowship here. If so, as the song is sung, it's an opportunity for you to come down to make your decision public here with us today, with this church body. So, 
I've given you a lot to think about. I hope I haven't driven you away because I'm going to be preaching on this again tonight. But I just covered page number two. We hadn't got to page number one yet. So I hope you all come back tonight. We're going to start at 6 o'clock and we'll be out by 7. And I apologize now. I see that we've gone over just a few minutes. And But I want to ask Rhett to come up now. And I'll be standing down front. And if you have a decision to make today that I've already mentioned, if you are someone who needs to know Christ for the first time, come on down. If you have something you like to pray about, come down here and kneel here at the front and pray to God like I did when I came down to Brother Steve about a year ago and talked to him. I wanted to get something right with God because I felt like I had something in my heart was an idol that I didn't recognize as an idol. And maybe you need to do that today. Please feel free to come down. And let's sing.